Welcome to the next generation of energy with Rosewater Energy Group. Traditionally, power availability has been the overriding objective for home automation. But 21st century advances have shifted this paradigm. It's no longer a question of power availability. The real question is, how good is your power? Our podcast explores the shifting paradigm to educate our listeners on the importance of power quality, the foundation upon which premium home automation is built. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Next Generation of Energy, a Rosewater podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. Folks, thank you so much for joining us on another episode of the podcast. I want to make sure that you are getting all of our updated content, so make sure that you're subscribing on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Just look up Next Generation of Energy or Rosewater Energy. You'll find our podcast there. Hit subscribe, and then you'll get a full catalog of our previous episodes as well as pings when we release new content. You can also go to our website at Rosewater Energy. Again, rosewaterenergy.com. On there, you can find more information about our services and solutions and, of course, our content as well, including podcast episodes, articles, videos, and blog content. On today's episode of the podcast, we are highlighting the growing issue of poor power quality, often the result of any number of technical misgivings, such as harmonic pollution, adding stress to energy networks, or excessive reactive power, overloading the system with useless energy. We're wanting to contextualize some of these issues around why poor power quality is especially timely and immediately relevant due to COVID and how it's impacting energy providers, and then try to find some solutions around what can be done to keep quality high, output high, and costs at a manageable level. So we're joined today by Joe Piccarilli, CEO of Rosewater Energy, to give us his insights on this subject. Joe, great to have you on. How are you doing today? I'm, I'm doing great, Daniel. How are you doing today? I'm doing really well. Thank you again for asking. Um, looking forward to unpacking your thoughts on this. It's, it's like I said, incredibly timely and has a lot of, uh, a lot of intersecting dynamics that we're going to need to unpack. So the future of energy rests in our hands today on the podcast. <laughs> well, I look forward to being on the podcast and imparting some of the uh, some of my knowledge knowledge I've accumulated over the last fifty years. So I, I'm looking forward to the podcast. Always a good little bit of melodrama to start the conversation, right? <laughs> yes. All right. Well, let's go ahead and jump in. Let's go ahead and start by getting a little more context on your perspectives for this conversation. You've been in the consumer electronics industry for almost 50 years, which gives you a storied career to pull from, and especially because your industry has felt the effects of poor power quality during those 50 years in evolving ways. So uh, can you just give us some more information on the issue in that span of almost five decades? Has poor power quality been consistent as an issue over that time? Give us your thoughts there. Oh, well, my, my thoughts are, are power quality is just becoming an issue, and it's really an issue more of the 2000s than it was in the last century. Remember, at the beginning of the 20th century, people were talking about power and access to power. And now that power is available everywhere, 
in North America, certainly. The issue has shifted more to the quality of power because the quality of power has been decreasing over the, the last 20 or 25 years. People out in the audience should consider a few things. One, in today's world, building new power generation, building a new power plant could take 20 years just in permitting. So the power provider's ability to build, put more power on the grid has diminished greatly in the last 25 or 30 years. Couple that with increasing population, a reluctance to improve our infrastructure, and then, although most people won't consider it, the addition of renewables to our grid all create power quality problems. I live in South Florida, a growth state, and you see our population, which grows along the coasts, and it, many, many houses that were once people's winter cottages have now being replaced with 10 and 15,000 square foot homes, permanent homes, all requiring a great deal more power. So again, that exacerbates the power quality issues. What I find most interesting and, and really my business over the last 50 years has, has evolved around the electronics business. And because of that, power quality has been something I've studied for those 50 years because of its effect on the electronics business. For those in the audience old enough, poor power quality in the 80s and 90s, we would only see it when we'd walk into our houses and see our digital clocks or our clock on our VCR blinking. And that was generally caused by some kind of power fluctuation. So the big inconvenience back then was, oh, I have to reset my clocks. For those of you who are old enough to remember a VCR in my audience, and that seems to become fewer and fewer people all the time, that was, oh my God, I got to reset my clock and reset my timer to record a show. Right. Well, since the late 90s and early 2000s, we have really begun to focus on automation and convenience in our houses. So to create automation, which is automated uh, environmental controls, automated shades, highly sophisticated networks in our home, automated lighting control, all of those things require more and more microprocessors. And microprocessors really don't function well with poor power quality. Their longevity is compromised, there are data losses, or they just stop working and have to be rebooted. In today's world, the consequence of that microprocessor failure is far greater than just the, oh God, I have to reset my timer. All of a sudden my lights don't work. My security system is down. So the consequences are far greater today than they used to be. And I don't see power quality getting better in the near future. Has aging municipal infrastructure added to this strain in a considerable way? And if so, you know, track some of the oversight over the years on keeping infrastructure current and functional and how that might have impacted uh, our current energy output issues we're talking about today. It's a great question because the the lack of infrastructure improvement and upgrade is really created a problem if you were to look uh, i was recently at a client's home in the uh, in the hamptons on long island and when you look back years ago the amount of power available in the hamptons was really geared around houses with you know two and four hundred amp services and not a lot of them 
And now the Hamptons has become very popular for New Yorkers to vacation and have part-time homes. And the amount of power available in the Hamptons has not changed at all. But the size of the house and the number of people have changed dramatically. And all of that is because people are reluctant to add to the infrastructure. So the infrastructure or lack of infrastructure becomes a gating factor for the amount of power available. And of course, as wires age and are affected by too many, too many winters, too many summers, you get outages created by just failing infrastructure. And that's happening everywhere. It is just for reasons that are too political to go into at this point, uh, there just doesn't seem to be the political will to pass comprehensive infrastructure improvements. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm with you there. If we look at the most recent infrastructure report card from the American Society of Civil Engineers, it's a, a reference point I bring up on several different podcasts, but it's important and it intersects with so many different industries. They rated our overall uh, infrastructure at a D plus. That was in 2017. <laughs> and and that's for, you know, everything including roads to energy right. infrastructure, water infrastructure. You know, it, it's a whole mix of things. But I, I think it's representative of how we're seeing aging infrastructure impact more than just our bridges and our roads. It is exactly. uh, impacting our energy output as well. Has there been consistent tension within the industry, at least in your anecdotal experience between cities, states, and energy providers around that quality infrastructure? I mean, does that create a lot of budding heads? I, I think rather than budding heads, what it has created is a significant amount of denial. If you were to talk to utilities and energy providers, they would not admit to power quality problems because the standard by which they judge power quality has no bearing on the real world from my opinion. You know, they, they claim they are within spec. And yeah, if you measure your power quality once a day, you may pick that time of day whether you're, you're within spec. But on the devices that Rosewater provides, we measure power quality every second. And we see power quality variations that are incredible, just incredible. And micro outages that, you know, that in the grand scheme of things, you'd think, well, that's just, you know, that was an eight second outage, but an eight second outage on a microprocessor can cause severe problems. Or if you lose a packet of data and all of a sudden you have to reboot. So what we have is an industry of providers that are really in denial. And, you know, this problem will really come to the fore as more and more consumers and their lifestyles are affected by poor quality. One of the things that we as consumers have been trained to do is never blame the utility. And that's slowly changing. So I think you will see a change and it'll be an evolutionary process. And the first part of this is for people to push recognition of the problem. And it, it is as, as I meet with utilities as a representative of Rosewater and present you know, what I think are, are reasonable fixes to this problem. The first part of this is, well, convincing the utility that power quality is actually important. So we're still in, a, in the process of recognition before we can get to cure. Okay, now I want to ground our thoughts to our specific situation, which of course is the COVID-19 pandemic. So in our COVID era, we've had a massive increase in work-from-home workflows, and therefore a complete change in energy consumption and output from the residential parts of our cities. 
How has this impacted this power quality issue that we're talking about today? Well, it really has impacted and, and sped up people's recognition of the issue. Remember, pre-COVID, we all worked in offices and in commercial establishments. So we didn't really notice power quality issues because we weren't home. During the day, when we are normally at work, is when our electrical system is taxed the most. So anything that went on in the home, there was nobody home to notice. Now, during the COVID era for the last, I've lost track of how many weeks we've been all working at home, but I think it's 16 to 20 at this point. People have now begun to notice that, oh my God, I just had a power outage and my Zoom video just got dropped. Or, you know, I'm, I, my internet speed slowed down or I have to reboot a device. So I, I think that what has happened during the COVID era as we have had all of this remote work, the problem has become much more top of mind when, I mean, from a, a qualitative point of view, I look at now the number of calls we receive at Rosewater from end users saying, I have a power quality problem and I understand you have a solution. We need to talk. It has not been slight. It has been, a, I would say, an order of magnitude difference in awareness. So if, if nothing else, it has sped up the awareness of the problem and, and people wanting, uh, changing its, their priority in terms of, wait a minute, I have to fix this. And how much of that do you imagine is a short-term adjustment versus permanent unexpected strain on our energy infrastructure? Well, from my point of view, I think we are looking at a certainly a peak at the moment, but we are going to have a strain on the system for the foreseeable future. Because I believe now that people are learning that working at home is not a negative. And I think many large companies and many small businesses are beginning to realize that you can have a staff and be effective at managing that staff without having to have them all in an office. You know, you might see people going into work only once or twice a week and working from their homes three days a week or four days a week. And I, I see that as a, a much more long lasting trend. You know, when, when you think about it from a standpoint of a family, the ability to have a somewhat flexible schedule, to be home when your children are home, there are a lot of benefits to being able to, to telework. So from my point of view, it is a long-lasting trend. I also think the B2B relationships within the industry are an interesting component of this. Um, you know, obviously, the end users are going to feel the strain of poor energy uh, quality and output. But I think the ones that feel the immediate impact the most, uh, more than the end users, are the operators and the tangential companies uh, and industries such as yours, right? So how does poor power quality impact those B2B relationships within the industry between companies like yours and your clients and energy providers? And as a refresher, can you remind our audience uh, the main companies that you serve in the context of your answer? I want to place an emphasis on on what Rosewater does, I think, at this point so that people understand the context. In 2012, when I began Rosewater Energy, I began the company because I noticed the effects of poor power quality on the residential community and on the light commercial office community. 
So from my point of view, and our focus has really been residential and light commercial. So in that context, all of a sudden, what we have noticed is an uptick, as we said, from the work at home. And we have also noticed that now law offices, doctor's offices, anybody who is storing digital information where you know, secure, always available information has to be there, have become a great deal more interested in our product because our product guarantees perfect power. It is not just battery backup. It is not something that is an enabler, just an enabler for a renewable. Our product guarantees that the power output of our device feeding your home is always perfect regardless of input. So from our point of view, we are seeing more and more interest. One of the things that was a guiding principle for Rosewater is when we designed the product, we wanted to design the very best product in the world. This is a total no compromise product. It is one of those where I had no conception of how much it would cost. All I did was want to build the best product. So I began to research who built the best components that I used within my device, who was the best manufacturer. And quite frankly, the device when it came out, and to this day, is a very expensive device. In the past, people would use surge suppressors and all of these devices as component level, and they would not consider it to be extremely important. Our device works at the panel level. And when we first brought it out, we had to create an understanding amongst our end users that when power is important and you're trying to assure it being perfect, there is no way to do that inexpensively. And what we have found is now people look at our device and go, oh, that's really worth it. And that's the big change. That's the big change for our, our residential users and our light commercial users. We changed the priority of the product within people's awareness. Now, on top of that, though this is an issue that affects basically every company that has a stake in uh, the energy industry, have you found that there's a general lack of knowledge or expertise around the issue of power quality in the energy industry? Yes, no, why or why not? Well, I, I think there is there is a general lack of product, and, it's, and again, it is not a focus of the just the energy industry. It is much more the people who consume energy. And what surprised me is that when you look at electrical designers, people who are designing for residential applications, people are designing for light commercial applications, it was not, power quality was never part of the consideration. It was, hey, wait a minute, do you have enough power? Can I get you enough power? It was really, as people were starting to build data centers, that all of a sudden power quality became an issue because it turned into, well, we just, it's more than just backup power. It's more than just having a generator. It's my power because my entire data center is, is based around having 120 volts and 60 cycles, or in some cases, 208 three-phase, different kinds of power, but they want that power to be consistent. And now that power quality interest has evolved from just being something that you considered at a mission-critical data center to, wait a minute, 
I want to have that in my house. I want to have that in my office. You know, very large data hungry companies have been have been a power quality concerned for years. It is now that concern that spread to the public at large. All right, Joe. So I think this has painted a pretty holistic picture of the issue. Now I think it's time to spend the last leg of the podcast trying to identify how we solve this issue. So where should we start? How should the industry begin to address this issue of poor energy quality holistically in a way that involves and uh, addresses the needs of end users, of the energy providers, and uh, of companies like Rosewater that are providing the solutions to this issue? It's a very interesting question because what we have to start with is that energy providers, for a number of reasons, are not going to address this issue. One is they certainly don't want to admit that they have the issue, but more importantly, it is very difficult at grid level to address this issue. You know, as we talked about earlier, the inability to build new power plants, the integration of renewables and the poor infrastructure, all of this makes addressing the issue for any short run improvement, almost impossible. So what are we left with? We're really left with the people who will address this are end users where power quality has significant effect on their business or their lives. And the way they will address it are products like Rosewater products. Because if you look at the type of product that we produce, we take all of our all of our input power be it from a renewable or from the grid or from a generator and i don't want to get overly technical here but what we do is we take all of that power convert it to dc so direct current the reason we do that is that batteries output dc and within our device batteries are always powering our inverters and if you have a battery backup system, you must have an inverter because it takes direct current, DC, and converts it to AC, which is the type of current that virtually everything in our house runs on or anything in our office runs on. So in our device, because the batteries are always powering the inverters, a power surge or a power sag does not affect the output of the inverter. A power outage does not affect the output of the inverter. There is no transfer between a power event and batteries taking over because batteries are always in line powering the inverters. So we, as, as Rosewater, guarantee perfect power uninterrupted, no transfer times at all times. And it is products that can offer what is referred to as zero transfer time that will provide perfect power at all times. You know, how, how good that power quality is depends on how good your inverters are and how picky the people who design, design it are. And obviously I'm not objective. I think we build the best product in the world, but that's an entirely different podcast where we'll talk about the specifics of our product versus the rest. But it really is the way to address it. And we're addressing it at a, at a panel level so that every critical component within a residence, within an office, is always fed perfect power. And it is through these types of appliances 
that this problem will be addressed and will be mitigated. So I, I think that that is the only way to do it at the moment. I would love to say that at some point we will deliver perfect power from the utility, but that problem is not trivial. That because you know you have air conditionings and big motors kicking on and off, power quality varies minute to minute from uh, the generation point of view. How are you adapting your solutions as a company to, I guess, live parallel to that reality where you imagine it's really going to take initiative from the uh, energy providers and the uh, end users to uh, own the issue and solve it themselves? How does your solution reflect that? Well, I, I, it's again a great question because we we started out building a product that was really geared towards upscale residential. It is it is an expensive product, and we have learned a lot over the years in terms of how do we improve the pricing of this product without compromising quality. And we can adjust size. Obviously, as we increase in volume, some pricing will go down. But more importantly now, we are creating a product roadmap that allows for the differences in sizes of houses and usage profiles of small businesses. And the idea is to make this product more affordable to suit the budgets of every homeowner and to suit the budgets around small business owners. So it is really, it is not immediate, but it is the way products begin and the way they evolve. When you think about a typical electronics product, oh, 20 years ago, if you were to ask somebody what the price of a flat panel television was, Daniel, are you old enough to remember what the price of a flat panel television was about 20 years ago? It was, eh, if I have to, uh, uh, well, let's see, I was what, like in like first grade or something then? Oh, so... <laughs> don't remind me that I'm that much older. Well, let me let me think about it. I mean, if I if I had to <laughs> if I had to guess, I mean, it's in the several thousands in, in the way that uh, uh, that technology has improved and uh, you know, micro LEDs and um, the production capabilities have have gotten cheaper for the OEMs, but uh, but yeah, I mean, obviously now when we see $300, it's like, oh, wow, you know, that's affordable. Uh, 20 years ago, I imagined it was thousands. <laughs> well, uh, let me give you some, some, some fairly hard numbers. numbers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, some fairly When the first flat panel television was introduced, it was a 42-inch television with a fairly mediocre picture and a price tag of $15,000. Uh, that's, yeah, several thousand. <laughs> <laughs> Just a few. And you know what? And, and they generally sold out. They were difficult to get. Now, for about $300, you can get a 50-inch television with a whole lot better picture. So, and, and I suspect that products like ours, as the volumes pick up and as the interest picks up, we will be able to maintain qualities and, and begin to lower price points so the product becomes more and more available. <laughs> This is, again, a, a, a much longer discussion than we have time for. If that occurs, there will be huge benefit to the utilities. Huge. And, and that becomes an entirely different, it changes our infrastructure dramatically if there can be large-scale 
very broad deployment of power quality products and batteries, it will improve our ability to manage our grid dramatically. So the future for these kinds of products is very bright because it is a win-win for end user and for the utilities. It will take us a while to get there because large industries make glaciers look fast. So we, it, it will take time, but I think these kinds of products will, will bode well for everybody involved in the energy chain from user to generator. All right, Joe, I think that about wraps up our conversation today. Any final thoughts uh, for our listening audience on this issue, how they can begin to address it, and maybe some of the ways that you imagine it will continue to evolve as an issue if we're not careful and don't address it at its core? Well, uh, first, I would, I would like to say thank you to everybody who listened. But more importantly, as we go further into podcasts, we will talk about what the effects of these things are on your daily life and how, if this issue is not addressed, how those effects become more and more critical to the enjoyment of your everyday life. We're really looking at, we have on one side of the equation, an industry, a consumer electronics industry that has made all of these automated devices to increase our day-to-day -day enjoyment of our lives. And on the other end, we have power quality issues which haven't kept up, which are working at odds to that enjoyment and in fact compromise that enjoyment. And it is how do we as end users and how do we as a company like Rosewater maximize the enjoyment available from our highly technical, highly automated life despite the power quality issues that are fighting against that. And it'll be, it'll be a subject of a, of a lot of future conversations. Joe Piccarilli, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of The Next Generation of Energy. Again, we've been chatting with Joe Piccarilli, CEO of Rosewater Energy, giving us his insights on the issue of poor power quality and potentially some solutions on how to solve it. Uh, Joe, if people want to find out more about Rosewater's solutions in this area of the energy industry, where can they go? Go to rosewaterenergy.com, our website, and you will see a number of articles. You will see a number of videos. There will be access to the podcast, of course, and you can download our product brochures from the website. Perfect. Joe, Thanks again. It was great getting to chat, and I'm looking forward to continuing the conversation on this issue as uh, our COVID situation changes every day. I look forward to it as well. And thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of Next Generation of Energy, a Rose Water podcast. If you like what you heard and want to listen to previous episodes, make sure you're going to Rosewater's website, rosewaterenergy.com. Again, rosewaterenergy.com. You can find podcasts and articles, videos, and blog content on there, along with more information on our solutions around poor power quality. You can also find this podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Make sure you're subscribing on those platforms and leaving a rating and a comment wherever you're listening to your podcast content. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time.